You're listening to The Great Coaches Podcast. Hi everyone, Paul here, and just a quick message from me to let you know that if you are looking to improve the performance of your team, no matter whether it is a work, sporting, or community one, then we've developed some tools to help. On the website, you will find our Thriving Teams Diagnostic, which uses insights from the more than 200 great coaches we have interviewed to challenge you with a series of questions to help you understand how your team is performing. It's free and only takes a few minutes to complete. If you'd like to know more, you can check out our website, thegreatcoachespodcast.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to the Lessons from the Great Coaches podcast. I've learned that you don't do it alone. You learn so many different things from so many different coaches. That's an elite learning environment. Failure is not a problem. How you deal with it is a problem. How to be resilient. How important it is to infuse joy in the process of learning. To be a good coach, you've got to give more than you take. What an interesting life it is to be a leader. Welcome to the Great Coaches Podcast, where we believe there is no algorithm for leadership, and so we interview great sports coaches from around the world to try and find ideas to help all of us lead our families, our colleagues, and our teams better. As the podcast has grown, the great coaches we've interviewed have shared so much insight and wisdom that we decided to create episodes dedicated entirely to the ideas that have resonated with us the most. Today's episode is on the topic of feedback. But here at The Great Coaches Podcast, we're working to create one of the world's best leadership libraries from the lessons our interview guests have shared with us. You can help support our project and get access to the Leadership Lessons episodes where we collate insight and wisdom from the great coaches on key topics like culture, vision or behaviours, as well as other exclusive content by joining our Patreon community. All the details on how you can be part of this journey are in our show notes. And now, on to the topic of feedback. You're listening to the Lessons from the Great Coaches podcast. Feedback is the breakfast of champions. If you're like me, you would have heard that hundreds of times in the workplace or in the groups that you belong to. The premise being that the best of us are the ones who dine out regularly on a diet of feedback on things they can improve. And yet, in my experience, the act of giving and receiving feedback is a precarious one, that needs to be treated with care and preparation 
if it is to lead to performance or behaviour change. And therefore, it is not nearly as common as the act of eating breakfast. Feedback is, however, a critical part of leadership and one that even now, 30 years into my professional career, I still struggle with. Be too positive and you're accused of being naive, too negative and you can erode self-belief, too critical and you can alienate people, and if you say nothing at all, then you run the risk of being seen as too lenient. It's a fine, fine balance. And it's one that we've asked many of our interview guests about in order to try and find better methods or routines for ourselves. In this episode, we will explore the topic of feedback and some of the things that we have learned along the way. To start the discussion on feedback, we've chosen Dr. Rick Charlesworth. Rick is a medical doctor, a politician, gold medal winning coach, and has coached at the elite level across multiple sports. His thoughts on leadership teams and the use of feedback to drive performance have been referenced by many of the other guests we have interviewed. Here, he talks about the importance of candour as a leader when it comes to feedback. And so... For me, increasingly, that became an important thing to do, to, be, to have real candour. And over the period of time that I was the coach, then increasingly candour was, in my opinion, the most important thing that you needed. You had to say what you think. And I, I was happy to, lucky to work with a very good sports psychologist and she used to say to me, yeah, you, you, you know, this is, this is what it's about. You've got to tell people what you're thinking. And, and uh, they, they will appreciate it, even though they might not like it. And so that became, if you like, one of the things that I was uh, constantly vigilant about doing. However, candour needs to be moderated to an extent that it can be understood and acted upon by the individual. This interesting balance between being too honest and honest enough was something the rugby league coach, Ricky Stewart, spoke to us about. You've got to know your player and how he understands different messages. Some can handle a, a strong, strong criticism. And that's where I talk about trust. And if they trust me, they know that criticism is to try and help them. Um, some boys need, need a little bit of criticism with an arm around them. We're all different. We all learn differently. Um, but, you know, I, I, I've... I've I've seen coaches get into arguments with players in regards to trying to critique them, um, give them critical information, which is important, um, and there's a confrontation. Now, sometimes wanting to be honest and tough as a coach to a player, <clears throat> thinking you're right, um, you sometimes miss the, the point the player's got too. There's got to be communication either way. I think it's important to share that communication. It's not just all about the coach getting his point across. Give me your feedback as a player. Now, I've heard I've heard people say to me, and I don't mind. I don't mind telling people what they don't want to hear, mate. And I say that's all well and good, as long as you're right. You can't always think you're right, but I promise you, it, it's easy to tell someone what they don't want to hear, but it's a lot harder to handle if I'm wrong. So. Balanced communication is really important in regards to being honest. Um, so, no, I don't think you never be too honest, but I think it's really important how you, how you handle the honesty and the feedback to people and players. Ricky talks about the importance of two-way feedback, and many of our guests 
talk about the importance of the environment that surrounds the giving and receiving of feedback when it comes to achieving this. In this example, gold medal winning lawn bowls coach Steve Glasson explains that he tried to make sure that the environment when he delivers feedback is respectful. One of the first lines I'll always use is that if I'm providing feedback to you, Paul, and you haven't made the team is, Paul, we're going to have a conversation today and, and some of the things you're probably not going to agree with, but let's talk about it and let's break it down and work through it sort of thing. So really, again, having that ability to have the evidence and then provide an environment that is respectful and safe is really important. There is also the element of timing to consider when delivering feedback. In this example, American wrestling coach Tom Ryan talks about connecting feedback in training as close as possible to the execution of the skill. I think human beings love feedback. I think feedback is just really important for us. And, and I, I, there are times when we don't give feedback, right? The mind can wander to what, what is my coach thinking, right? So as a, as a staff, we try to give feedback often, right? So right in learning a skill, right? In practice and learning a skill, the moment that we recognize the skill is not done properly, right? You have to intercede in a way that's productive and not what in God's name are you doing? But hey, listen, you're, you're, let's, let's talk about this position. Your head is a little high, you're turned to the side, your, your hand is out of position. So feedback and being able to communicate that instantly is, you know, is an incredibly important, but I think, which, which gets to just young people and competitors, the great ones one love assessment, but two, they live in reality, right? They live in there. They're willing to honestly and truthfully assess themselves in a way that allows an accurate plan to be put in place and assessed. And I can tell you, a lot of people don't live in reality. They don't. They live in a fantasy world. They allow excuses to become the norm, and that only delays progress. However, it can take multiple sessions for feedback to land, and so there will be the need to follow conversations up, and this may occur at a time later on. Given the distance between the event or action and the feedback is why the environment and communication style is important. Here is Rodney Ede, the Australian rules football coach, talking about this. Again, taking the feedback the right way, so having that feeling so hopefully generate enough that players will talk to some coaches or someone will come to me and say, hang on, this is this is happening. So it's about then having the chat with that person and say, listen, I understand you're not happy about a certain thing. What are your thoughts? What are your feelings? And having that conversation. The best advice I can give about having a conversation with one, I wasn't very good at early. I learned on the way that we've got two ears and one mouth. So listen, whatever they're saying, you may not agree with, but don't interject and knock it down because they won't talk again. So just take it on board because that way it'll get you more understanding what how they think and what they're like. They're not going to change the world. That's okay. And then you don't want them to, but okay. And then you have an unemotional response to how you can work them through. They may just be happier that they're spoken about it and go away. You leave them with a couple of things to think about. Just leave a couple of little green sprouts just sow the seed and then you can go back to that the next time rather than try and solve everything. If you try and solve everything, then you'll get emotional. You get argumentative, you'll clip them or you'll you'll bump their what they're saying and they won't put their head up again. So it's a bit of psychology. It is psychology. So as a coach, you're an amateur psychologist in many ways. One idea that resonated with me came from cross-country skiing coach Ricard Grip. 
Ricard coached Olympic gold medalists from a relatively young age and so had a nuanced appreciation of the way people receive feedback from someone who might be younger than them. He talked about the importance of being present and engaging with the person you are speaking to, something which can be difficult when it is annual review time and you have back-to-back feedback sessions arranged. And also, when you're giving feedback, you need to stop for a second or two, especially if it's good feedback, because if you just give them a fast like hug and just run away and or you're giving some feedback and at the same time you have your phone in your hand and you look 50% on the phone at the same time that you talk to the athletes or the person, then you don't have the feeling, is this for true or is that something you say because you have to do it? For me, it's important when you give feedback, the person that should take the feedback, that really feel like you mean this and you are into it. If you don't have time to stop or look the person in the eyes, I think it's better to not say anything. It works for a few times that you give the feedback when you are in a rush or just passing. You can do it for a few times. But if you do it too many times, I think you will lose the the feeling that you really mean it. So for me, it's really important to stop, give the time and actually look the person in the eyes when you talk to them. Hi, everyone. I'm here with Professor Eric Knight, the Executive Dean of the Macquarie Business School, and he's just stepped out of the classroom. So, Eric, what skills do you think leaders need to develop today to impact tomorrow? I think tomorrow is going to be digital. So the skills that we need in leaders is, one, strategy, so that they can see the outside world and understand all the changes that are playing out. But two, a people skills, so they can work with people's inside world motivate them to be able to see the issues that matter and find ways through so that we solve those problems together. Thanks, Eric. The master's programs at the Macquarie Business School, designed to empower you, challenge you and transform the way you think. Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There are other instances, though, when feedback is not between individuals, but instead given in an open environment. When it occurs like this, our guests often reference the hard and difficult conversations it prompts. What's interesting is that sometimes our guests reference these hard conversations as a turning point in the team's performance. Here is netball coach Bryony Arkell giving an example. I think another good thing within this playing group was sort of learning how to have hard conversations. And I think that was a big 
thing for us moving forward of if I tell you something, don't take it personally. We're a netball team that needs the same common drive and the same goal. So we had a lot of role plays and just having hard conversations around someone saying something to you on a netball court. Why did you pass the ball like that? It could be the most simple thing that I think people at this level who a lot of them have high egos and high expectations. So we sort of changed the language and really tried to sort of say, well, if I'm giving you feedback, it's probably harder for me to give it than for you to receive it. So for us, it was, I think that changed our world in the Swiss camp and that no conversation was hard. It was just a conversation and we just wanted to be better than we were yesterday. In an environment where you want feedback to flow across the group, regardless of hierarchy, then the behaviour of the leader in modelling the openness to give and receive feedback is important. In this area, I am a work in progress, but it is something I am focused on and always trying to improve. Here is the Australian rules football coach Paul Ruse explaining how he goes about this. Again, every interaction that a leader is involved in, I say this all the time, the leaders are getting watched. So you're absolutely right. The young person, Paul Ruse, walks into an organisation, just finished um, college, 23 years of age, starts working. Everything that the leader, the sales manager, the CEO, I'm watching. That 23-year-old is watching every single movement of that leader. And that's what I say when I talk to leaders and we work with leaders at Performance by Design. Every interaction is being watched. So you can take those interactions as a tremendous opportunity equally you got to understand if you mess up in a, team, in a meeting, board meeting, sales meeting, review, et cetera, et cetera, that 23-year-old is watching it. And to your point, the younger generation are prepared to speak up. They want feedback. They want information. All right, so, so my point is in a broad sense without being specific in terms of exactly the company and the feedback and all that sort of stuff, just be aware that every time that 23-year-old is watching, every meeting that he's in, so what we're trying to create, and it gets back to my original point before when you asked about the biggest surprise, if we're not conscious of our culture and we're not consciously working on our culture, then that 23-year-old can pick up some incredibly bad habits through that process. People yelling in a meeting, people being rude to each other, you know, people not turning up on time. And then all of a sudden, what is that young person doing? Everyone wants to act their way into a culture. I want to feel valued. So I'm going, okay, at the end of the first week, well, no one was on time, so I'm going to be late because I, want to, I, want to, I don't want to be the first one here because that looks uncool. Everyone seems to yell at each other, so I better start yelling at each other as opposed to we start off, the first meeting I work, walk into as a 23-year-old, everyone's on time. No one's on their phones. The meeting starts. We do a gratitude session at the start of the meeting. We do a shout-out, you know, who wants to give a shout-out to someone in the room about someone who's done something really well, and then we get into the technical side. All right, he's watching. Oh, gee, that's interesting. They've rewarded – there's 10 people in the room. They've rewarded five people for speaking up at last week's meeting. They've rewarded four people for, you know, being, you know, really diligent and, in, and delivering on their word and getting their work back. I just noticed that that one person – that they gave some constructive feedback, took it really well and said, look, thanks very much. It won't happen again. Every interaction, you see what I'm saying? If you're consciously working on your culture, then you will create a really good culture. What we talk about performance by design is we take the chance out of culture. All right, don't leave your culture to chance. We take the chance out of culture. 
another aspect to consider when setting up a space where hard and difficult conversations are had is that of psychological safety, a topic that is so important that we dedicated an entire episode to it in 2022. Here, the Indian cricket coach W.V. Raman talks about how the type of environment he tried to create allowed people to speak openly without fear of recrimination. And the other thing that I also uh, uh, make it uh, very clear is to tell the players whatever the issues are, it's got to be ironed out within that particular group. It's, it makes no sense to you know, take it to somebody and bring some arbitration from outside. Because after all, we spend a lot of time together. It's always best that we sort it out. And everybody must have that uh, confidence to be open about what it is that they want to say in this particular dressing room. And each of them and uh, all of them are free to express their views without having any fear of that might coming into play later on when it comes to their selection. So that kind of courage I gave them, that kind of culture I insist, wherein if they are of the view that I'm not doing certain things right, they are welcome to tell me because uh, it's no guarantee for every person to be doing everything right all the time. And hence, it's very critical that even the players constantly give a feedback to the coach as to what exactly he's doing right, what exactly he can do better, in as much as a coach does to the players. So once you get this kind of an atmosphere going, then um, uh, everything you know will uh, fall in place. However, when setting up feedback sessions, You need to be mindful of the fact that not everyone will want to participate, so you need to make sure that you are educating the team on how to take and receive feedback. Rodney Ede, who you heard from earlier, felt quite strongly about this, and here you can hear him explain why. And that comes back to leadership. I think leadership and culture and team being are all linked in the same circle, and you need one of those wedges don't work properly, they, they can all fall down. So good to have a voice, encourage that, encourage them to think, but we need a good culture, how that's corralled and how that's developed, and then leadership overseeing that or uniting that together to say, hang on, yeah, okay, got your voice, but this is the way we're going to go, or give them a thought process that they think they're owning where it's going to go, rather than, as I said before, the lunatics. Right, the asylum, and with a leader, like in coaching, sometimes you've got to have tough conversations with guys. They might like room for improvement feedback or student, but you just got to, that's the way you deliver it and how you talk to them about that. And I think one of the education processes that we've lost with this feedback system in the world is how to take feedback. We're very good at how to give feedback, but how do you take it and how do you interpret it? And then the education and talk process on that and given the mindset, we'll begin to mindset, so have the mindset the growth mindset, okay, I'm getting better. It's not a criticism of me. It's not putting me down. It's about how can I get better, therefore the team's going to get better. In either a group or a one-on-one environment, when delivering feedback, there is always the chance that it can lead to an escalation in emotion or worse still, as neuroscience research is now showing us, lead to a fight-or-flight response. But an interesting idea on how to deal with this came from English Premier League coach Thomas Frank, who talked about his use of a technique called appreciative inquiry. But I would say 
in terms of criticism, I, I mean, of course, I'm if, if they had a lot of criticism, I, I speak to them about if they actually are watching a lot of on, on social media or they try to to close down their down their account for a, for a period and I try to to back them as as much as I can. And they need to listen to themselves, the, the key persons around them, not too many, and of course, hopefully, their coach. That that's the the criticism they need to take in because I'm always I I will also be criticizing them if they're not up to standard. But I really believe a lot in appreciating inquiry, that way of, of teaching that I think the more positive you can be, the better. But of course, honest, if, if it's been not good, because they're very, normally players are very harsh, harsh on themselves. I also liked the way Rowan Taylor, the coach of the Australian swim team, talked about using questions in his feedback routines. As we have heard time and time again in the podcast, a good question can be a powerful way to raise awareness and bring about change. Well, I'm, I'm de- they're developing. <laughs> Upon reflection, I'd say I know what worked probably the best. Um, I think that the combination of um, asking questions was really important instead of just giving direction. I think, you know, so what did you, what did you think about that? How did you feel about that swim? You know, regardless of what I thought, let's get some feedback. What do you think you did really well? What are the areas of improvement? And then go, okay, and then let the athlete ask me for what I thought. There is broad consensus, though, that when it comes to the goal of your feedback, it has to be to improve either the individual or the team's performance. And so it must, in the words of Rugby 7 coach Damien McGrath, point a way forward. I think so. I think how you deal with defeat is far more important than how you deal with winning because if you project it as a, the end of the world and becomes a blame culture, then it's very hard to get that back. I've always been of the mindset, you know, you never lose, you learn. And that even when things have gone badly, I'll always try and, a bit like the feedback in, we talked about, you're feeding back to a losing team, you can't just say, you're rubbish, you're rubbish, that's not good. You have to find something out of the remnants of defeat that points a way forward. One of the things that can be a challenge is processing the level of feedback that you receive, and yet sifting through it and choosing what you want to act on is critical if you want to role model the type of behaviour you expect in others. And so to finish, here is New Zealand netball coach Helene Wilson talking about how she goes about the process of reflecting on feedback. And First thing I think with that process when you are uh, coming out of a not good results, you have to go back and make sure you get the right people around you that you are self-reflecting through feedback that you get. So the process that we took at the end of that year was the external feedback from the team and the players, but there was also feedback from someone independent as well. And then I made sure I had a mentor that when I reflected on all that information, I could sit down with them and kind of process it. So that rather than getting consumed with the small things that happen and lots of the bad things that happen in a bad year, I could take the key rocks out of that year to try and learn from it and put it into the next year. So that learning from that year was the key information that I took forward in my planning, in my communication with my team, with the way we recruited the team the next year, and it set us on a pathway, a trajectory of improvement and learning. You've been listening to our episode on feedback, and I hope you found a few ideas that you can bring to your own dinner table, locker room, or boardroom table for discussion. 
Some of the key highlights for me were the importance of tailoring your honesty when giving feedback and the role the environment, timing and frequency that you've given feedback before will play in how effective it is. The need to model the process of asking feedback yourself as a leader and being mindful of how you react when it is given. The use of questions when delivering feedback and the importance of putting in place routines to help you process the feedback that you've been given. I hope you enjoyed the thoughts of our guests on this topic as much as we did. And just before we go, if you have any feedback, then please let us know. Just like Sean Craven, who after listening to our Jockstein episode said, guys, thank you for putting together the Jockstein podcast. Absolutely incredible. As a lifelong Celtic supporter, it deeply touched me. Thanks, Sean. We love doing that episode. It's the interaction with people like Sean from all over the world who listen, give us great energy. And so if you have any feedback or comments, then please let us know. And also, if you're interested in helping us create one of the world's best leadership libraries from the lessons our great coaches share with us, then you can sponsor us through Patreon. All the details on how you can do this or just connect with us are in the show notes or on our website, thegreatcoachespodcast.com.